What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. This week on the Minding Wellness Podcast, I am truly honored to bring on Dr. Brian Dorick. He completed his undergraduate degree at Stony Brook University and eventually went on to Harvard School of Public Health and then getting his medical degree from the Sackler School of Medicine at Tel Aviv University. He completed his internal medicine residency at St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital and was the chief resident as well. He received his training in gastroenterology and hepatology at the University of Miami Jackson Memorial Hospital and Distinguished Center for Liver Diseases. He joined Gastroenterology Diagnostic Centers in the Memorial Healthcare System of South Florida in 2005 and has held past leadership positions in the system and is a member of the Credentialing Committee. He is the medical director of Executive Health Coaching, one company with three areas of focus, health coaching, health navigation, and practice growth. He's also the founder and executive director of Get Hired Miami, a 100% free resume building resource offered to organizations in Miami with the goal of improving lives through employment. His social media presence is focused on nutrition, gut health, and life balance and colorectal screening. He has been increasingly active on the LinkedIn platform, which is where I initially saw him and reached out. We connected, and I love the work he's doing in the patient advocacy field, as well as just sharing realities of medicine and of life. And so we talk a lot this during this episode of his journey, some of his insights as a physician, what patient advocacy means to him and what he hopes moving forward. I hope you find a lot of great insights in this episode as well as in the work he does. Enjoy. All right. Really excited today to bring on Dr. Brian Dorick. I have been following him on LinkedIn. We connected on the phone with a short conversation and I really just appreciate his approach to medicine. It's a little bit, um, I, I would say non-traditional, but in a really good way. And I love the, how he's connecting with people, not just on social media, but really through a lot of different routes. He's done podcast episodes before. And so I am thrilled to bring on Dr. Dorick. Thank you for having me. Today. I appreciate it. I appreciate the invitation. And I appreciate the fact that you're making a choice to go into the world of patient advocacy because it's uh, invigorating and very intriguing still to me and interesting as I get deeper and deeper into that space myself. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that we've had these conversations. Well, you're going to have a much more formal intro when this gets published. So what I would love for you to do is share with the listeners sort of who you are in a very, you know, informal, uh, just real way, which I know is, is the way that you prefer anyways. Yeah. So, you know, I, my name is Dr. Brian Dorick. I'm a gastroenterologist in South Florida. I've been in clinical practice for 15 years in private practice here. My training has taken me from Stony Brook in New York to Boston and Cambridge to Tel Aviv, back to New York City, where I did my residency and chief residency there at St. Luke's Roosevelt and ended up down in Miami at University of Miami for my GI and liver training. And then I joined private practice here. And I've been, you know, in a actively growing 
outpatient GI practice for many, many years, and it continues to be that way and will continue to be that way. But I've also realized how broken the system is. And I've seen it a thousand times before. Uh, the patients in a low status position in the room with the physician. I've seen the hurdles people have to go through. I see how the wheels are spun, how the referral process works, how patients are just lost, 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 and how the system is just so beyond control and being able to handle it and help people you know, when they need it most. And it's not that people get bad care. It's just that, unfortunately, people don't have to get the best care sometimes when they need it because the system is not designed that way. And, and that's where the role of patient advocacy I see is it's like this glimmer of light, this, sh this shining hope to help people. But the big cloud over that is that no one knows about it. You know, it's like, yeah, this great system of patient advocacy out there. And I've started connecting with people on LinkedIn. Yet a lot of people don't even know what it is. What's a patient advocate? And doctors don't know what it is. And office staff doesn't know what it is. And the patients don't know what it is. So those who do, I'm sure will vouch for it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's it's still very much in its infancy. And um, I, I think that, you know, it's interesting when I tell people what I do, they're like, oh, of course, of course we need that. But I don't think that it's well known enough on a large enough scale for people to even know how to search for it or Google it or ask around for it. So right. what would you say, you know, you're, you're functioning obviously as, you know, as a physician and direct patient advocate, but also a private patient advocate. What are some of the, from your standpoint, from, from the physician side, what are some of the downfalls? You mentioned a few of them that you're seeing in our system and what, what's sort of your hope for patient advocacy and, and the future of medicine in general? I mean, just to be clear, you know, the role I do in my space of, of patient advocacy, it's really defined as concierge level patient advocacy. You know, what I do is not for everyone and nor something I can offer everyone, but there's one thing I can tell everyone. And again, I've seen this like day in, day out. I see this hundred times a week. I see this thousands of times a month. And I got to tell you, it's, a, it's amazing. You know, just put it in perspective. You go to a business meeting. You have extreme preparation. You know your buyer, you know your seller, you know your numbers, you know your slides, you know your pitch deck, you know everything. You go to that meeting prepared. When you go to the doctor's office and your product on the table is your health, you're not prepared. That's the craziest thing. So one thing I can share with everyone and the, the value I hope to bring to everyone today, if you get one thing out of this conversation is go prepared. Do some preparation for your doctor's visit. It could be the simplest thing is organizing your medical history it can be the simplest thing as printing out your pharmacy medications from your pharmacy and bringing them. Hey, this is accurate. This is not. The most simplest thing one can do is be prepared with their own medical history summary. I mean, I even created a free tool for my LinkedIn connections and share it with them time and time again as a free tool to build a medical history summary. Because I know from what I do in the world I'm in and from where I sit, that when I walk into a room and a patient presents me, here's my medical history summary. Here's my medical history. And it's a two-page summary, that whole game changes. The status of the patient in the eyes of the physician shifts. The patient is presenting to the doctor what they want to see, how they need to see it. And that off the top changes the whole game. And from there, you know, the conversation is usually much more directed, much more focused, much more effective towards the outcomes and results the patient wants from the encounter. 
Yeah, I um it's it's interesting cuz I feel like I'm um uh, it's like a mirror. This is like exactly what I say. We prepare for interviews. We prepare for everything that we do oh, yeah. and somehow we just completely have not been modeled that that translates into right. and should translate into our our medical care. I mean, it is our life on the line and we prepare for things that are not nearly anywhere oh, near yeah. as important. So I completely agree and I love that you shared how that is on the receiving end. So when a patient does come prepared, what that means to you, because you have a limited amount of time, you both have a limited amount of time in that office and, and a preparation on the back end would be so helpful to all physicians. And so I appreciate you sharing that. What, what have you seen with the clients that you've had from a patient advocacy standpoint and some of the transformations just on their understanding, maybe it's just mindset of understanding that preparation is important and then their interactions with their own medical team. What have you, what have you kind of seen in your role in patient advocacy and some of the changes and shifts that have been made? I mean, the clients I selectively work with and who I work with are, are, you know, it's a certain niche client and what I do, but what I do is I get them to the best doctors for their pain, for their problem, you know, quicker, faster, you know, and easier than anyone could. Because the reality is, I'll give you some harsh reality facts. This is the fact. You know, patients wait weeks to months to see me. They come to my office. They wait in the waiting room. They pay a copayment at the window. They go to the room. They wait in the room. They're holding records and labs. They don't even know what they mean. They're waiting and waiting. I walk in the room and it's like, hi, hi. And within a few 90 seconds, I'm in a computer staring at a screen asking questions and already directing the conversation. And the patient in that point, I mean, it's not that I look down upon the patient, but the reality is the patient's in a low status position. They're waiting, they're waiting. You know, we're, I'm holding, the doctor's holding the cards, doctor's holding the hand, you know, and the, and the scenario in that can easily be shifted. Okay, they come to me with information from Google. Or they come to me with their history summarized. That shifts and elevates their status. Imagine this scenario. Patient walks in the room, it's like, hi, doctor, hi, hi. Hey, Dr. Smith, I'm really happy I was able to find time and be here with you today. I believe you spoke to Dr. Dorek and already have my summary, but you know, here's another copy of it just in case. Um, I know you're going to want to examine me and ask me questions, and that's fine. Before we do that, let me just tell you what the outcomes and results I want from today's encounter are. And you go through a couple of things you're looking for from that meeting. You know, that's a whole different interaction. That's a whole different type of appointment. That's a whole different outcome. And it's not done in a disrespectful way. It's done in a way that the status of the patient in the eyes of the physician has shifted. The whole frame has shifted. The whole script is flipped, you know, shifted. That's where you go. Let me listen. Kobe, MJ, these guys played basketball. Incredible. They're the best. But they still had Phil Jackson on the sideline telling them what to do. Because if you're on the court and you have the ball, that's all great. If you know where the net is, that's great. But if you don't put the ball in the net, what's the point? And that's what I do. You know, I'm not... Look, I'm not good at everything. I don't hit the three-point shot well myself in basketball. I don't make homemade noki, and I don't write Japanese haiku. But I'm really good at the stuff I do. And one of the things I do is help people navigate and help people differentiate themselves within the healthcare system. Really important points you brought up. And I can imagine some people have some generational mindset 
sort of blocks there where they think that coming presenting to the doctor in the way you just described, which is exactly how I, I advise my patients to do that, my clients to do that. But I there are some generational and other cultural and other, um, you know, sort of blocks there where people think that that is, um, you know, coming across as questioning authority or, or coming across to the physician in a, um, I don't know, too aggressive of a way. What would you say to somebody who has, has sort of grown up and with that mindset? say it's 2020, you're in a consumer-based uh, field. We're providing service. There's 15 doctors in my community. We all trained at the University of Miami together. We're all equivalently good physicians. What's a differentiator for me? What's a differentiator for that doctor is the level of service. What do they provide? There's a reason why I drive Google reviews at 150% more than the next competitor in my community. I say competitor because we're all providing a service-based field. We're, we're, I'm, in GI, what I do, I'm a, like a human plumber. I mean, that's the reality of it. We're providing a service-based thing and the patient is a consumer. They're going to choose where they want to go. Now, even with your insurance, maybe you have an HMO, maybe you have to go to a preferred provider, but there's always an option or two. And what's going to drive you is based on the customer experience. It's all about user experience, customer experience. From the second you make a call to the website, to the interaction, it's not what it was 30 years ago. You're unhappy with the doctor, you're going to write a bad review. That's <laughs> what's going to happen. So I think that you have to, there has to be a mindset shift a little bit. I'm not saying be disrespectful. I'm not saying, you know, not to be forward weaning to a point where it's uncomfortable. I'm not saying to challenge authority. I'm saying to respect authority. And the number one authority is yourself and respect yourself enough to say, you know what? I have a problem. I have a pain. This is real. My winter's here. You know, my world is upside down. My blueprint has just got ripped up in front of me. How do I get the best care I can get from where I'm limited to go? And maybe that's not within my hospital system. Maybe it's not within my current network. Maybe it's not within my city. What do I do to lean forward, take action now? And some of that may be having that conversation with your doctor and saying, you know, I'm confused. I'm lost. I don't, what do I need to do? You know, are you, are you the best for me? I mean, is there someone else I should be seeing in town? Is it, is there someone else I should see in the community? Is there something you would recommend doing? You know, it's okay to say, hey, listen, doctor, listen, I know you're busy. I got it. But I need you to be really with me now for a minute and really focus on me. And I'm going to ask you a question. You know, are, my, are we doing the best we can do for me? Are there other options? Are there other conversations I can have? Is there something I can do? Point me in that direction. Tell me who to Google. Tell me who to call. So it sounds a little bit uncomfortable to hear that, the way I'm describing things. But, you know, do you want to go to sleep at night in a situation knowing that, you know, you're just doing the, going through the motions, going doctor to doctor, referral to referral? Or do you want to go sleep knowing and say, you know what, I'm getting the best I can get. I'm being proactive in my care. I'm being engaged in my care. Not in an aggressive way, not in a disrespectful way, in an actionable accountability way. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. That's what I tell my patients all the time is I, you know, there, it doesn't have to be so extreme where we're either questioning authority and being disrespectful or we're completely silent, you know, like there is a happy medium I there. I, it's, it's not a happy medium. It's a, you know, I see that I describe patients, you know, and I, and I see this hundreds of times, you know, and I do, I diagnose cancer. Cancer is a different animal and I've only become more and more attuned to it targeting providers, way we communicate with patients and help patients at the time of diagnosis. You know, breast cancer, you feel a lump, you go to your doctor, you get a mammogram, get a biopsy, like over a week or two, you know what's kind of going on. You know, or I had polyps five years ago, I'm due for another one. And boom, you go to sleep and you wake up and you're like, hey, we got a problem, I found something. 
It's a whole different animal. You, know, you come into me and then you go to sleep and wake up 20 minutes later and you're like, you have cancer. That's like, you don't hear anything after the word cancer. You're not expecting it. And, you know, the point of the conversation, why I'm saying this is, you know, is you know, it, what I'm trying to communicate is that, you know, us as providers, you know, have a role in our communication with patients. Us as providers are there to work with the, the patients as a team. I'm a coach, patient's a player. I'm going to help coach them to get that ball into the net. And that's the, the way people have to shift their, their mindset. There's nothing wrong with speaking to a doctor as a team. And to the doctor, hey, doc, listen, tell me what you need me to do. What do I need to do to advocate for myself? What, what do you, can you do for to advocate for me? You know, what do we need to do to get to the next level? So the way I'm saying things may come across New Yorkish, may, may come across harsh, and, but I'm just kind of getting more, more passionate about it the deeper I get into it myself in my own space um, here nationally and as I start bringing this overseas too. Yeah, really, all real, really important insights, um, especially coming from from your side of the table for sure. I know that you're busy and you're going to have to go soon. I would love to talk a little bit about how you advocate for yourself in your own nutrition lifestyle. You know, I know a lot of, I know personally a lot of healthcare professionals, physicians who are so burnt out, so tired, so exhausted that they end up leaning towards you know more comfort food, which is not usually the healthiest options. Oh, yeah. Tell us, tell me, um, and our listeners, some of the ways that you are attentive to your own health being as busy as you are with as little time as you have yeah so you know i focus on balance i focus on portion control i focus on eating you know food that work from my body you know i, I mean give you a baseline don't you know i get fish maybe twice a week now um i grew up you know eating eggs and plenty of dairy i don't choose much dairy now i do eat eggs. not extreme in my diet don't limit myself and fast i don't go to extremes i don't go to elimination so it's very much based on balance portion control i mean how i i just posted my lunch today on linkedin actually you know once a day i post people what i eat how i eat you know i engage with people on my blog talk on podcasts about how i eat and what i do because it's not a what i share with my patients and share with people on the social media platform it's not about me or what I do. It's more about helping to get them a better quality life. I think it's really important because I think extreme extremes are the norm and what, what is encouraged. And so it's really helpful to hear that we, oh, yeah. we can we can certainly be reasonable and healthy and uh, moderation and in, in a reasonable way that doesn't that is sustainable. I think a lot of the extremes are not sustainable and that's why there's so much yo-yoing, but I, I appreciate you being so transparent with your lifestyle and what you're eating. And, you know, especially when you're, you're busy, you don't necessarily have, you know, the time to, to, you know, prep all your meals and, and um, do all the things. And so if you, all you can do is grab a salad, you grab a salad and you show it. And so I, I certainly appreciate that transparency. What would you say as we kind of wrap up is, um, you know, I know none of us are getting out of here alive, right? We know all that. That's not news yeah. to anyone. What, um, you know, you're, you're definitely taking a different approach, which I certainly appreciate. What would, what, what would you say you would want your legacy to be? My legacy? Never really thought much about my legacy per se, as much as being present in the moment giving and serving as much as I can in this life, providing for my family and giving them the life, you know, options that we want and desire. Um, you know, 
I think, you know, Tony Robbins quote kind of resonated with me, you know, when you're, you know, when you're giving, you, you feel alive when, you know, when you're, when you're, what's the word he used when you're progressing, you feel alive when you're giving, you feel 10 times more alive or something of that nature. And, you know, it, it kind of resonated with me because, you know, when I'm giving and serving, I'm not just talking as a doctor and taking care of patients or my nonprofit or anything I do just by sharing and giving without an agenda, without a hook, without a sale. But just giving and helping people. I mean, that's one of the space, the space of patient advocacy, you know, that you're in, the patient space and advocacy that I work selectively with individuals in, you know, is, is such a great and rewarding field because it's really giving and serving people in the end. And what better way to help? Yes, you have a business in advocacy. Yes, you'll charge people some money for your time to help navigate them. But think about what the outcome and result of that interaction is, of that transaction, of that business deal. They're not selling them, you know, a mindless, you know, product of air. Like, you know, I'll be your life coach and just talk to them. You're taking them where they need to go. You're helping navigate it through a very demonstrous, scary, dark, twisted, broken road. And I don't care what jet you're getting off in Aspen. I don't care what, you know, Aston Martin you drive or what, you know, fish you're eating with your private chef cooking a few from Japan, when your health is an issue, when your health is challenged, when you have real issues, nothing matters more. And there's very, you know, in the world of patient advocacy, and anyone who's kind of listening to this or been aware of it, I'd say that, you know, there's, you have three options when, when someone comes to you with something that's wrong and real, and real. When someone's world has been rattled, when someone's blueprint, as I mentioned, has been ripped up, when their winter's here, the three options are one, you're sympathetic. You know, that sucks. Okay. Two, you can be empathetic. Say, wow, I understand. I've been there. I dealt with that myself. I dealt with that with my wife, my spouse, my parents. I understand what you're going through. Talk to me. Okay. Third thing is to be empathetic with the solution. And that solution is, wow, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I can't relate to it so much. I haven't been there. I can't understand. I don't know how to help you in this. I can help you with other things right now to help you get through this, but I don't know how to help you with your, that one problem. But I do know some people can, you know, they're called patient advocates. And I think I heard a podcast. I'll try to find out some names who it was, but if not, just go Google patient advocacy, go Google patient advocate and find someone and talk to a patient advocate. That's empathy with a solution. Such wonderful words and insights. I really appreciate your time, Dr. Doric. And I, I know that you're, you're busy, but um, your insights are important. And I'm, I hope a lot of people hear them and take them to heart. So have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for the work that you do. And I look forward to us crossing paths again in the future. Oh, no doubt. It's on my mind and agenda. We'll speak soon enough, as I told you. Um, and I appreciate the time today and keep sharing, keep giving, keep serving. Thank you, Dr. Doric, for spending this time with us today. I know that all of our time really is so limited, yet these insights will get to the people I know and I have no doubt that need to hear them. So I appreciate this conversation and I certainly hope you all found nuggets in there for your own lives and for those that you love and serve as well. I will include Dr. Doric's contact information in the show notes. And we have a few more weeks before Surrender Gym starts. So if the concept of surrender, releasing, 
finding a natural flow to life speaks to you and doing it alongside others speaks to you, Surrender Gym may be for you. So go visit Surrender Gym, that's G-Y-M dot com for information on our master heart that is starting on January 22nd. Happiest of holidays, happiest of New Year's, and happiest of today. I hope you're all finding peace and joy in the moment, and I look forward to seeing you here again next time.